What do you do? And what does it mean when there is a new awareness of the impact of the words we use and the actions we take? I'm not going to lie, 2020 has been a struggle for me in many ways. In this episode, I invited my friend Sajel, an attorney who specializes in workplace environment, bullying, harassment, unconscious bias, and more, to discuss how we can improve situations all around us by being more aware. Here we go. Welcome to the Motivational Firewood Radio Show, hosted by keynote speaker, author, and vision board mastery creator, Steve Gamlin. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey there, my friend. Steve Gamlin here. Welcome to the Motivational Firewood Radio Show. It is special guest time again. One great thing about the pandemic, I am meeting so many cool people. And when we do this on Zoom, I'm meeting them from the waist up, which is really cool because I get to talk to people all around the world. And today's guest is named Sajel Thacker. Sajel is Chief Civility Officer and also a Legal Training Ninja. Now, I do know a bunch of lawyers and not for bad reasons, but I've got to say something in her bio made me really want to connect with her. Other than the fact that she was referred by a dear friend who is just awesome and connects me with great people. She's a passionate attorney and educator. Now, I do know some attorneys out there wouldn't describe them as passionate, wouldn't describe them as educators. I'm right, Your Honor, and that's it. <laughs> Sajel's awesome. We had a great conversation recently, and I want to invite her officially. Sajel, welcome to the Motivational Firewood Radio Show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, Steve. Thank you. Now, how does one become a legal training ninja? Because that just, that's a, that's a badass title, by the way. Thank you. I, <laughs> I love, just love it, too. I, you know what, when I started, so I started my company in November of 2017 and I had no plans to do it. I was working at UCSF Medical Center as a senior complaint resolution officer. And I just decided something happened, you know, I mean, I turned 43 and I was like, something flipped. There was a switch that went off and I was like, I really have a passion for training and educating people. I've done it my whole career and I want to, I want to do it more and I want to focus in on certain topics to help people at work. And so I legal is because I'm a lawyer and I've been a licensed attorney in California since 2003. So that's where the legal comes from training. It's just, that's where my passion is at. And I truly believe that we can create better workplaces for employees. And so really working with employers and, and helping create more civility in the workplace. And then Ninja is just because this is who I am. You're going to get the truth. I'm not going to tell you just what you want to hear, whether you're an employee or a leader, janitor or CEO, it doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you how it is. And, you know, you're not probably not going to like it, but what I'm going to tell you is really to help minimize your legal risk for your organization. But as an employee, really kind of help employees navigating through some tough situations that they find themselves in and maybe they're not supported by their organization. So there's work to be done on both sides. And so my, that's, that's one of the reasons why I started up my company. And I just came up with that name because I wanted to kind of communicate to people that this is what you're going to get when you bring me on board to your team. This is who I am. You like it or you don't, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny, when I first heard it, before we first had our conversation, I thought, legal training ninja, I said, someday I'm going to find a video of her, and I'm going to take it here in the recording studio, and every time she opens a briefcase, it's going to go, and do like ninja noises all over that, and the judge's gavel and all that. Um, right now, with everything going on in the world, I, I'm 52 years old. I don't think I've ever seen a more us versus them 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's gone from a, a split to a rift to a chasm to a canyon. It feels like, yeah. and there's so much animosity on both sides. They don't care about us. Well, they don't care mm-hmm. about us, and and we're trying to do this. Well, we don't feel supported, and I know you do a lot of work with bias and for better or for worse, 2020 is a year that a lot of things have come into the light. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be better in the long run, but right now there's so much chaos and so much confusion over it. What are some of the things that you've seen, um, you know, going on now in the workplace and with regard to legalities that going forward, people are going to have to be much more aware of because of this year and what's, what's happening out there. Oh my. It is a, it is a nightmare for just, I mean, you know, I keep hearing people say, and, and I, I say this, I, I feel like I say this on every single podcast that I'm on, but I swear I, I, every day I talk to somebody or I read somewhere where people are saying that we're all going through the same thing. And I'm like, we're, we might be going through a global pandemic together, but aside from that, what each one of us is going through is really different and unique for all of us. You know, some of us have kids at home that we're homeschooling. Some of us have to still go because we're an essential business and we still have to go to the office. There's just so much going on. And, and you know, I did a, I did a show, with, show with a friend of mine, Summer Watson, and this was right at the, as the pandemic was starting. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about uh, racism, how, how that had increased with with the Asian folks. And literally I predicted this movement, the civil rights movement, because I said this COVID-19, what that's done is it's forced people into their houses. And we might've even talked about this before, Mm -hmm. but it really made people come down to that basic human level where I think people's tolerances are now, we're we're not going to tolerate that kind of behavior. People are speaking up about their, what they're experiencing. And I think that's good. I am a proponent of that because you know, it's become normal in a lot of these environments. This behavior has gone on. And, you know, every time I see something on the news, I, I, I'm like, I, I just can't believe that we are allowing that behavior to happen. And I know that, you know, our leader of this country isn't the best role model for us right now, but we got to stop normalizing that behavior. And so part of what I do is, as you said, I talk about bias, you know, because I think that we can't make a collective change on some of the stuff that we're dealing with unless we take individual responsibility for our own bias. And I, there's conscious bias and there's unconscious bias, right? And I think it's both. And, and I just want to, I think it's important because a lot of people, when they hear that word bias, they kind of get all defensive over it. It's like it's a negative thing. And it's not a negative thing. We all have it. It's normal. So I, I use the word unconscious belief. Because I think that's that's really more accurate. It's not a bias. It's just a belief based on how Sejo grew up, what I went through, my upbringing, what you've gone through. You're different than I have. We grew up differently. It's going to be the lens by which we look at the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so helping people kind of get started on that. And I'm not a brain doctor, right? I mean, I'm a Juris doctor, but I'm not a brain doctor. But I, I, I relate to people on such a basic level just because of my own experiences that I've gone through, but what I've seen in the courtroom um, and, and really kind of help people understand that, look, you need to do the work. You need to figure out what your own bias are. Once you become aware of that, then you can take steps to counter that. And the good news is we can all do it. Good news is, is once you learn about it and you do the work, we can rewire our brain. So I love to bring that hope into people's lives because, you know, everything we're dealing with, like you were saying, it's just a dark time for some people. And 
And so helping people kind of take their individual responsibility and then, you know, telling organizations how they have to focus on creating cultures that are based around just civility, right? Dignity and respect for all, regardless of your color or your skin color, or your dis- whether you're abled or disabled. All of these things are protected categories by the law, but they shouldn't be what the culture of the organization is. So really kind of expanding the scope and telling organizations like, it's not enough to just do what's legally compliant. That doesn't work. It hasn't worked. And I'll give you a hundred cases of examples of what I've worked on to tell you this, but what works is really looking at your culture and, and building up the foundation for civility and to move forward. I think that's the only way we can move forward because the civil rights movement is it's, people are done. People are at their breaking points. And I, I really, I'm telling you, I've, I am, I'm an optimistic person as it is, but I've been having some really good conversations. There is movement that's happening. I've been in this field. Like I said, I've been an attorney in this area since 2003, and I have not seen the kinds of conversations around these issues that we're having now. And that, that leaves me very energized. And I, and I think that good things are really going to come out of this, but yeah. we got to keep working. We can't just stop. So. Yeah. And I'm glad those conversations are happening and I'm glad that people at all levels are starting to hear it and understand it because I think back to my radio days. I was in rock morning radio. I was a morning show producer for 10 years. And somebody asked me recently, hey, Steve, would you want to do radio now? And I said, no way. We could not get away with some of the stuff. And not that we did it to be mean-spirited. We did it because it was funny and because our audience loved it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were a couple of things. Did we get called out on? Yeah. Did we once get a bomb threat? Yeah. By a, a very bigoted person it wasn't us doing it it was somebody whose reaction was they called it they threatened to blow up the radio station wow because the day that ellen degeneres came out on her television show which i believe was the it was the late 90s 97 ish mm-hmm. we we played a song uh, an ellen song parody which was not off color it was actually celebrating the fact that you know uh, we did it to ymca and it was we hear that ellen is gay and it was talking about how you know, she was finally getting to be herself. Mm-hmm. And we also interviewed somebody talking about, at the time, gay rights and, and inclusion. And somebody called up and threatened to blow up the radio station. And that was the last time I wrote something that controversial, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's good that those conversations are happening now. And yeah. that, I, I don't want to say that people's lives are being more mainstreamed, but I think they're being better understood because people are better explaining and taking that time now to have the conversations, social media aside, because that's like that's right. driving behind a septic truck in rush hour traffic that's being held together by duct tape at this point. <laughs> um, but there are some really great conversations happening. And, and I've yeah. never been more surrounded by a diverse group of people. And that's the other part. Yeah. On yeah, purpose. People yeah. that I say, oh my, I love this person. And then it's not that. I don't see color because, of course, I see color, but I, but I see humans of every race, creed, shade of color, religion, sexual preference or identity. Yeah. I mean, I've never had a more diverse group of people who I absolutely love than right now. That's and great. I'm, That's I'm great. glad for that. I feel, I feel lucky for that. I'm not, I, I try not to go around and say, oh, I've got gay friends. I've got black friends and all this. No, no, no. I've got friends. Mm-hmm. And they're badass friends. And they're, oh. they're among the best people I've ever met. So I, I love that you said that. Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, and, and that's, that's really the heart of it is that 
whether you like diversity or not, you don't have a choice. Just like with COVID, right? I mean, all these companies were saying, we can't have people working from home. We're not ready for that. We're, it's not possible. And now we've got over half of the workforce working from home. So whether you like it or not, guess what? Diversity is, is here. It's not going anywhere. I mean, you know, I, 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 I talk about these statistics when I do my diversity training that Pew's Research Center said that by mid-century, America is going to be the most heterogeneous workforce we've ever seen. Because of globalization and the ways that we're, we're going and we're doing business, like right now, I mean, you, I could be talking to somebody in another country, right, and over Zoom doing business with them. They're saying that by, by mid-century, we're going to be interacting with people of over 4,000 different religions, 5,000 different languages, and 6,000 different cultures. So if you don't get on this diversity, liking and understanding diversity and knowing how to deal with it, because here's the thing. You know, this is what I say. It's like diversity is not only something that we're going to have to deal with because it's here, but it's absolutely important for our survival to be successful, to be more innovative, to be more productive. When we're, de- when we're making products and services for people that are of all different colors, all different religions, all different languages, we need to understand their needs so we can better serve our customers. That's the reality of it. So if you want to do business that's going to be doing anything for anybody else, you need to understand your customers so you can give them what you need. But also when you look at the workplace, right? When I was as a lawyer, I mean, I can only speak to what I've gone through, but mm-hmm. the cases I've worked on, I, I mean, honestly, Steve, the, when I looked at one of the reasons why I started up my business was this, because when I started looking at the cases and I'm like, why are we ending up in court in these cases? What's really going on here? Is it really discrimination? Is it harassment? And some of them, some of them, it was blatant mm-hmm. discrimination. But most of the time, I would say majority of the cases I worked on were there because people don't know how to communicate with other people with different perspectives. So because of diversity, we're going to have different lenses that we look at the world. We're going to perceive things differently. What you might think is funny might not be funny to me. That doesn't mean you're a bad person, but that just means I need to be able to tell you when something is offensive to me, why it's offensive to me, and and let you know that. Because if I told you that it was offensive to me and you say the same joke again, now it's no longer just innocent fun. Now you're, you're either you're making a mistake and we can forgive mistakes because we're human. Mm-hmm. But then if you do eight, nine times, you keep repeating that joke. Once I've told you it's offensive, then it's intentional behavior and we need to deal with that. Right. So that's a different situation. But a majority of the cases I dealt with were because people just didn't know. I mean, I, I train in this area and I did, I'm in situations where I'm like, I had no idea. There's a new pronoun that we're using right now that I got to be telling people about. I had no, I mean, a student pointed out a new pronoun to me in my sexual harassment training. And I was like, whoa, I don't, I don't even know about that one. Mm. Right. That doesn't mean that I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, but it just goes that there's so many things that are happening. And so helping people kind of understand and navigate through those situations that like you grew up in a completely different household than I did. You know, and like I dealt with that with my, you know, with with a, a prior relationship of mine where he would talk about like certain traditions. You know, he, he was white and he would talk about certain books and traditions that he grew up reading and, and learning about. And I didn't know. And there was a couple of times where, you know, there were these little jabs coming at me like I was in, you know, not as smart as him or I, I God, how do you not know that kind of thing? And I was like, 
I'm sorry. You know, my parents took me to the temple every weekend. I, I didn't have this extra time to sit and I wish I did, but this is what I did. That doesn't mean you're better than me or I'm worse than you, but we've lived up differently. So we can't expect everybody to know how to navigate through those differences, right? People need right. skills to be able to do that. And, and that's where a lot of these cases were ending up in court. It's just people not knowing or people not speaking up, not feeling like they could say, hey, by the way, you know, I, that, that's, that's offensive to me. And there's, a lot of, and there's a lot of reasons why people don't speak up, right? I just actually just posted something about it this morning on LinkedIn about how organizations really need to create a culture where people can feel comfortable to say to somebody, hey, that's making me uncomfortable and not have to fear that they're going to lose their job or be retaliated against or they're going to be judged by it. Because a lot of times it's also unintentional, mm. right? It's also, it's unintentionally happening because nobody has told you that that might be perceived to be offensive to somebody else. Yeah. And, and I remember in the early days of speaking, I've been speaking now 16 years. I've been at both ends of the country and a bunch of places in between. And there are times where uh, I'll be the first speaker right after lunch. Mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason, my energy, people say, we need you right after lunch when everybody's going, <laughs> dozing off. Well, there was a couple of times where they said, oh, the, the boss is going to go up and say a couple of things and then we'll bring you up. No problem. I go up. Uh, I'll go up right after the boss. No problem. Mm -hmm. The boss gets up there and says something so inappropriate or tells a joke or mm -hmm. does whatever. Uh, I, I remember a particular event. I was, I was actually the MC for this event and it was for my, with my DJ company and this CEO got up and this was, I'll never forget December, 2001. Mm -hmm. And it was the Christmas event and there was 200 people there, employees yeah. and spouses or in partners and in, in dates. And he said, well, it uh, wasn't a really good year. The, the projections we, we set, uh, we didn't meet them. And, uh, of course, we lost Bob and 9-11 in one of the planes. But, uh, well, we're going to have a good time tonight. And uh, here you go. He gives me back the microphone, and he walks off, grabs his coat, and walks right out the door. And an employee came up to me afterward, and he goes, hey, how about that speech? And I'm you know, doing the look around. Like, it's not for me to say anything. I said, is he always that positive? He goes, oh, hell no. He was on good behavior tonight. He didn't swear at us. Oh. And they were also, I found out, firing a bunch of people right after the holidays. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what the leadership was like. And that, that was their culture. You know, it's just unbelievable that, you know, I mean, and this is the thing. It's whenever I go anywhere, and I'm being totally honest, it's like whenever I tell somebody what I do for a living, the stories just start to come out. I, I literally don't have to go anywhere for examples to use in any of yeah. my trainings because it was just even last uh, a week before yesterday uh, last week or something a couple of weeks ago a friend invited me to a group that he belongs to and he's like man i really just want you to tell people about what you're doing and what you're seeing and i just did my brief introduction and the rest of the call was everybody sharing stories about what they've experienced in the workplace and it's just unbelievable that it's gone on this long. And, and, and as you absolutely, as you go up the chain of command, it's even worse and it's yeah. more tolerated and it's, it's just become a normal thing. I mean, I've gone into organizations where I've done a training and like there might be a break between the two trainings. So I'm just hanging out in the lunch or the break room area. And the things I hear in there tell me right away whether or not that culture is toxic. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that, you know, also was one of the motivating reasons for why I do what I do is because when you look at the lawsuits, the ones that are filed with the EEOC, you know, in 2018, there was over 76,000 complaints of discrimination and harassment. 
And it went down a little bit in 2019. I'm afraid to see what it's going to be this year. Because what I'm seeing is that a lot of um, organizations, because we've had to, we've never had to have this such a huge um, shift to everybody working at home on a global level mm-hmm. like this, where it is, you almost forget about the culture because people aren't there in front of you. Right. Right. So you, you're, you're focused, at least what I'm seeing is that they're not focusing a lot on the culture as far as. We saw a lot of organizations saying, okay, we need some diversity and inclusion training because of everything that was going on with Black Lives Matter. But that only addresses one part of it, right? You still have to think about cyberbullying. It's a huge area where, you know, it's much easier. Let's be honest. When you're hiding behind a computer screen, it's much easier to say something that insulting or, or quick because you're, you know, you might be dealing with a screaming kid here, or you're dealing, whatever your reasons are. But it's a lot easier to be short and impatient with people. Yeah. on a Zoom conference or on a phone call, right? And so you have to make sure that people feel comfortable in, in calling that in or, or letting that person know what's going on. But I, I'm hearing the opposite. I had two calls yesterday with two HR managers where they said, one person said that they um, somebody had made an inappropriate racist comment, or, I'm sorry, sexist comment over yeah. Zoom. And then another employee who said they did something over a, a group email or something like that, or a Zoom conference, a Slack channel, one of those. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, what is your cyberbullying policy? Mm. And one of them said, well, we don't have a, a, an actual cyberbullying policy. It's, it's part of our harassment policy. And I'm like, that's not good enough. When you drafted that harassment policy, I'm sure that it didn't take into account that half the workforce is going to be working from home. Yeah. Right? So, and then also... How do people report that behavior when they're not in the office? So do people, it's a great time for people to be told what the policies are and to look at what those policies are. So we're dealing with all kinds of, you know, stuff that we just weren't prepared to deal with. And it's new for everybody. Yeah. And it, for me, the lesson, it always goes back to both of my grandfathers, both very, very different human beings. Uh, my grandfather, my dad's dad was an executive vice president for a national level uh, uniform cleaning company called Morgan Lennon. And they would clean, you know, the, the work uniforms, the rugs, the, the safety stuff, everything. And he was an executive VP and he would walk in the back door through the physical plant in mm-hmm. the dregs of the building. I mean, the dirtiest, loudest, smelliest, hottest places in the building. And he would have conversations and he knew the folks that worked the machines because he had started there. He was mm-hmm. part of that culture and he worked over decades mm-hmm. rising up, yet he stayed very in integrity and very close and understanding yeah. and respectful yeah. that in the middle of July, when it was 135 degrees down there, they were running behind off came the tie, the jacket rolled up his sleeves. He worked side by side with those folks. And when he retired, mm-hmm. what they said to him meant more than the gold watch and what the mm-hmm. executive said to him, yeah. the way, the way he had earned their respect. And he told me your integrity he says, you never look down on anybody. Mm-hmm. He says, your integrity okay. is the only thing you cannot ever compromise because you'll never have 100% again. That's right. And, and that has stuck with me through everything. And, and I'm so, I've never been, I said this the other day, I've never been more careful about how I say what I say. Yeah. Because I, I'm a former comedian, uh, you know, stand up and this and that and things yeah. happen in my head and they fall out. That's right. I've never been more careful. I actually got called out last week for something. Yeah. It wasn't intended a certain way. It yeah. got hurt a certain way, but it, 
and I and I removed it and I sent a message apologizing to the person whose threat it was. Because she sent me a message saying, I'm really disappointed by your response there. And when I saw her side of it, I said, it's down. I said, it's a phrase I've used forever whenever somebody is that evil. Yeah. And I just left it at that. Yeah. Because it could very easily spiral up and all of a sudden I'm getting mislabeled. Yeah. And we know tough. what can happen with social media these days. It's we all have to be so careful. That's the other part is social media, right? I mean, you put something out there and it goes out to the masses and it's permanent. But, you know, you handle that right. I mean, look, like I said, incivility a lot of times is not intentional. You know, it's just it's it's what you grow, what you think is normal, what you've been doing. And usually, you know, I mean, a lot of times people, you know, there are some people that get overly sensitive about things. But I think the key is to remember that it is really viewed at from the perspective of the recipient. Right. So whether you intended to Hurt, hurt this person's feelings or whether you offended and you we, obviously you didn't but that's not really the point the point is how she viewed it and and you handled it exactly the way you should have is just to acknowledge that oh okay that's that's not the intention that i had but i understand it and and then not and trying your best not to do that again and that's yeah. really what it's about because nobody wants to put somebody in an uncomfortable situation unless you're just evil or you're a bully Right. I mean, most people, when you tell them, hey, this is even if they don't get why, even if you don't understand why that person is offended by it, most of us are going to say, hey, OK, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Right. You know, and and the other part of it, too, is, that, you know, I think when, when we when we truly are a part of a team, right, is it it's not just about if one of us is going through something, it impacts everybody. And so a lot of the things like what you and I are talking about is also making sure people that are bystanders or that are witnesses to something like that are doing what they should be doing. Right. Because let's say it was me was, I was the one that got offended by that comment. Mm -hmm. You can't put it on me to have to educate everybody about why that offended me, because I've already just have to gone. I've gone through something that's made me feel uncomfortable. Now I'm dealing with that. I need to take care of myself. So we can't really accept or expect the recipient to do that, but you're going to keep, using that phrase because you're not aware that the fact that it might have bothered me, right? So I either need to put you on notice gently, professionally, in a non-judgmental, respectful way, or if there's somebody else, it's really on them. And this is why bystanders become critical to getting to that place that your boss got himself to is creating that integrity. But you also need to create an environment where people are going to be comfortable stepping in like that and saying, hey, I saw you doing that. That's the piece that really I think organizations need to work on. And I think employees need to take ownership of that, that we need to be able to step in and not take that approach of I've got too many things on my plate already, so I'm not going to get involved. That's not going to help. You know, we really need everybody to do this and do it the right way. And that's the key is making sure, you know, you're not doing it the wrong way because like in your situation, you didn't intend to. Somebody now slapping a lawsuit on you when you didn't intend to is not the right way of dealing it. The much better approach is to say, hey, you know, I I know you were just joking, but that makes me feel uncomfortable. Here's why. And I would really appreciate you not do that. That's going to be more effective in creating Mm -hmm. the cultural change. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it was great that the show Mad Men was on. You know, I know it ended a couple of years ago, I think, but that it was on for a number of years because some people are like, oh, that's great. That's like, no, that's a very outdated, sexist, inappropriate yeah. Yeah. model. It's a great reminder 
of how far we should have come over the past 40 yeah. years. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story, though. You know, it's like we're all human beings. And, you know, I mean, I I say things sometimes that I'm just like, what you, you know, that could be perceived wrong. And then I, it'll come to me a little bit after, you know, and, and the good news is when you start doing this work on your bias, you know, that you, you, we started talking about, when you start doing the work, you almost catch yourself quicker when you start doing it. So you can catch it quicker because it's going to take a while. It's, it's what we mm. grew up with. I mean, I just saw the other day, I, did you watch Three's Company at all when you were growing up? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, okay. that was that so was in my too. wheelhouse. I was I was right there when it was new. Me too. <laughs> my dad loved that show. We, but yeah. I saw just an episode of the other day, and I'm like, oh my god! If that show was filled with sexual harassment and all kinds of inappropriate behavior, oh yeah. But I mean, I grew up to that show, right? So it's just the times have changed. The diversity has changed. The situation has changed, and so we just need to, as humans, evolve with it. You know, I mean, I when I grew up, I I personally dealt with harassment and discrimination, you know, and, and a lot of bullying just because of the color of my skin, my dad, you know, my parents were immigrant families. So I, I grew up and I dealt with that. I've been on that end of it. Mm. And, and so for me to do the work that I'm doing, I've had to overcome and, and put all of that, what I went through behind me. But what I found actually, you know, what is our struggles make us better because having gone through it, I can relate to people both that have never gone through it because I feel like I want to help raise their awareness and help them understand it and do it in the right way. But I also can understand the side of the people that have gone through it and, and see their struggle as well. And so that really, it helps me be able to relate to people better. And I know you definitely do that as well, you mm. know, and, but I think it's important to be able to admit when we say something or do something and say, Hey, you know, yeah, that I did watch Louise company and that show was just, you know, not appropriate, but that's yeah. what I was into and be able to be okay saying that and say, okay, now I'm now I, I think that shouldn't be on anymore, or maybe that wasn't appropriate back then. Right. But we're human beings and it's, it's really not about judgment. We really need to just help each other grow and do it in the, and I think if we do it in the right way, it's just that we don't, not all of us have those tools. That's what it boils down to. You know? Yeah. And my all-time favorite TV show is MASH. I got a few years on you. Mm -hmm. But I've seen every single episode of MASH over and over. I know them all verbatim. There's one episode, <laughs> uh, probably a second or third season. So we're talking about 1973, 74, mm -hmm. where there was a wounded soldier that came through. And just before they put him under in the OR, he says, make sure I get the right blood. I don't want any of that darky stuff. Now, understanding the Korean conflict took place 1950 to 1952. That's where the times were. And they said, oh, yeah, okay, we'll make sure. And they gave him a taste of his own medicine. They put some stuff on a cotton ball and darkened his skin. Oh, yes, and yeah. they, they basically threw every stereotype in his face, yeah. which was dangerous to do. Yes. And there was one of the nurses was black. Yeah. And at the very end, he finally came up to her and he apologized and he gave her a salute. And he, he learned. And it wasn't that anybody screamed to him, you shouldn't be that way. But they kind of gave him a little taste of it. They let him walk yeah. in the shoes a little. Yeah. And I think that was very well done. Now, not mm -hmm. enough shows taken on those issues yeah, yeah. Uh, there have been a few moments here and there there was one on the show family matters with steve urkel that's mm -hmm. everybody says oh, i saw one with urkel yeah where the son of the main character of the dad got pulled over mm -hmm. and the dad is a cop and he found out that a couple of white cops had harassed his son it is a very poignant conversation that i just mm -hmm. watched again the other day and i got emotional watching it oh wow 
because it makes me realize that this is still happening out there. And it is. I'm hoping we're yeah. shifting we are back. Slowly. And it's not to say that you're giving somebody an extra break. Boy, you're just being humane. You know, some people forget the E on the end of human. You know, it's not just silent for some people. It's invisible. And that sucks. It just does. It sucks that it's still like that in so many parts of the world. I hope this year really does bring some change. It's going to have to come from all sides. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going to say both. All sides. Right. We're all going to have to make the effort and understand the past happened. Yes. It, it, It didn't go away. The scars don't just fade. But if we all work together and we all learn and we educate and we respect and we understand and we meet each other with the right energy, Mm -hmm. I believe that some change can happen. Absolutely. Take a while and it's going to be loud uh, and maybe it needs to be. I'm with you 100%. And I, 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 it is happening. I'm witnessing it and it's, it's not going to happen overnight, but what we've accomplished in a really short time you know, they've been 400 years have gone by and we've done a lot in a very, very short time. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I think, you know, as the generations change out too, you know, we've got people are the baby boomers are going out of the workforce slowly. You know, we've got the millennials, the gen, all these generations are changing and the, the younger generations. And as this starts to happen, what motivates them, what makes them feel fulfilled is very different. And that's going to be where, where we're headed, you know, is, is it's a lot of social justice and they don't care about drawing those lines, you know, and, and, and the, and the news and, and the reality is, is as you know, the way that I'm raising my kid, there is no level of discrimination in his life. I'm doing my best to make sure he understands and more and more and more people are doing that. So as our children get older, it's going to just slowly be on its way out. We needed, we needed this spark. And I think everything happens for a reason. And I think COVID's happening for a reason. And I think that was necessary for this to happen and, and all the changes that are coming. But I, I, I so appreciate everything you just said, because that's exactly the mentality we all need to have. And there's no other solution. And there's, it's got to be zero tolerance for anything but civility for all of us, regardless of yeah. whatever your perspectives are. Your lived experiences are, it's fine. We can, be, we can have different diversity of thought. We don't have to all think the same way. It's not saying we have to give up what we believe or what we like or what we think. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is when you come to work or when, you know, it should be all the time, but at least what I can control is we're at the workplace, is you are going to treat everybody. You're going to know. And it's basically, it's, it's a commitment to treat each other with dignity and respect, regardless of our differences, and especially when, especially when, and this is the key, when there is a difference of opinion or mm. disagreement. That's when you've got to keep your you-know-what together and make sure <laughs> that you don't, um, you know, because that's where it's the easiest to let go of that commitment. Yeah. Um, but really knowing that if we get to a point where we just can't, we can't get past this, then you've got to figure out some tools, some strategies, bring in somebody somebody to help you work out that disagreement before it turns into a conflict. Yeah. We don't want to wait till these things become conflicts because most of the time it's just because they don't know the lack of awareness. It's just lack of communication. Yeah. So really it, kind of dealing with them earlier on and, and, and getting to the point where we can say to each other that what we really believe, what we truly feel. It's just, it's, it's the way the systems were set up. I mean, we haven't been comfortable speaking up. It's almost been like, 
the other way around. We were kind of told, don't say anything, just kind of blend in and do your job and go home, you know? And, and now we're yeah. saying, no, that's, you can, you can pretend that that's what you want, but until you create this culture, you'd rather know about these issues. If they're happening, you'd rather people talk to each other about it than not talk and then file a lawsuit, which is just nobody wins at that point. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. And, and the concept of it, and, and I always go back to, to, to weird, funny comedy related things. If you ever saw the show King of Queens, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, where when Doug and Carrie bought their house, there had been a leak outside the basement mm. and they were told to take care of the leak. Otherwise it could get into the basement. It could cause a mold problem, whatever. Well, several years later, Arthur, the father-in-law is living downstairs and the noxious fumes are about to knock him out <laughs> and they pulled the paneling off. And all of a sudden it is just thick with mold mm. because all Doug had to do was when there was a little instance was take care of it and patch this thing and, and keep it all out. But no, he covered it up with something. Mm-hmm. It continued to leak, continued to leak, develop mold, and it cost them $13,000 to demold their house. Right, that's right. And nearly killed the father-in-law, who's the funniest <laughs> guy on the show. But it's, it's like that. It's, it's when you see that little problem right now, yeah. kill the monster while it's small and get people to at least understand. Exactly. And communicate. Now, if there's somebody listening in on this conversation right now, and every single thing we've talked about, they're going, okay, my workplace, check. <laughs> how can people reach out to you or get a hold of you or, or have a conversation with you or invite you in to be part of the discussion? Sure, sure. Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Sajel Thacker, T-H-A-K-K-A-R, and I'm very active on LinkedIn. And I also, I'm, I'm huge about sharing resources and sharing information because I think there's so much information that we need to share right now. And so definitely, um, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn, or you can just go to my website www.trainextra.com and that's T-R-A-I-N-X-T-R-A.com. Awesome. Sajel Thacker, Chief Civility Officer in Legal Training Ninja. Still love that. (laughs) Thank you so much for being a part of the show and I look forward to, of course, staying in touch and uh, wishing you the best as you keep moving forward through everything that's going on right now. Thank you for doing what you do the way you do it with as much passion as you bring to it. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you for listening. For more information on how you can create a more vivid, focused future with the Vision Board Mastery Program, or to invite Steve to be part of your next event, please visit motivationalfirewood.com.